Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to Alventis 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Members of the investment community will have the opportunity to ask questions and can join the queue at any time by pressing star 1. For members of the media attending in a listen-only mode today, you may quote statements made by any of the Oventive representatives. However, members of the media who wish to quote others who are speaking on today's call, we advise you to contact those individuals directly to obtain their consent. Please be advised that this conference call may not be recorded or rebroadcast without the express consent of Oventive. I'd now like to turn the conference call over to Jason Verhaste from Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Verhaste. Thank you, Operator, and welcome everyone to our second quarter 21 conference call. This call is being webcast, and the slides are available on our website at ovintive.com. Please take note of the advisory regarding forward-looking statements at the end of our slides and in our disclosure documents filed on CDAR and EDGAR. Following prepared remarks will be available to take your specific questions. Please limit your time to one question and one follow-up. This allows us to get to more of your questions today. I'll now turn the call over to our CEO, Doug Suttles. Thanks, Jason, and thanks everyone for joining us today. As you can see from our second quarter results, our business is performing very well. Simply put, we are delivering on our promises. Our very strong performance is clearly seen in our substantial and recurring free cash flow generation. With almost $900 million of free cash flow through the first half of 2021, we have proven our business is capable of generating quality returns, significant cash flow, and free cash flow. This consistent strong performance allows us to directly increase cash returns to our shareholders while continuing to reduce our debt. We are on track to deliver our $4.5 billion net debt target before year-end, a full year ahead of our original timeline. The achievement of this milestone will mark almost $3 billion of net debt reduction since the second quarter of 2020. In the same tone, we set a new debt target of $3 billion and increased shareholder returns by raising our dividend 50%. With that said, none of these tremendous financial achievements would be possible without the operational excellence delivered by our our teams. A focus on operational efficiencies and industry-leading cost management is allowing us to more than offset economy-wide inflation pressure and continue to deliver industry-leading capital efficiencies. This this is clearly demonstrated by raising a full-year production guidance with no change to our capital budget. Ultimately, it is our culture of innovation that is providing a true competitive advantage and driving performance across the business. The team's ability to innovate in real time is unmatched. 
We have been through a lot over the past few years, and Inoventive has persevered through it all. From a global pandemic to negative oil prices and a freak winter storm, our team has not only survived but thrived in the face of adversity, a true testament to the culture and the strength of what we have built. Extending on our proven track record, 2021 is expected to be our fourth consecutive year of free cash flow generation. We have generated almost $900 million of free cash flow year to date and expect to generate over $1.7 billion on a full year basis at current strip pricing. This substantial free cash flow is driven by our operational performance and our high quality multi-basin portfolio. As Greg will highlight later, our team's culture of innovation is continuing to achieve leading edge efficiencies allowing us to reaffirm our $1.5 billion capital budget despite inflationary headlines across the economy, while also raising production guidance. With our reaffirmed capital budget and over 3.2 of estimated 2021 cash flow at strip prices, we are achieving a reinvestment ratio of less than 50%, substantially below our 75% investment framework. These outstanding results allow us to reinforce our commitment to shareholder returns as we return our efficiency gains to our investors. Yesterday, we announced a number of new actions that reflect the sustainability of our business model and the tremendous performance of our organization. First, we are increasing our base dividend by nearly 50%. This substantial increase reflects the confidence we have in the growing cash flow capacity of our business. As a reminder, not only did we leave our dividend untouched during the recent downturn, but this raise marks the second increase since 2019. We are delivering on our commitment to return cash to our shareholders, and we, are, we see a growing base dividend as an important part of the value proposition for our owners. <clears throat> Second, we have, a new set of, uh, we have set a new debt target of $3 billion to be achieved by year-end 2023. Over the last year, we've made tremendous progress deleveraging our balance sheet, and we are rapidly approaching our $4.5 billion target, which as I noted earlier, we expect to achieve before year end, which is a full year ahead of our original plan. Third, we published our 2020 environmental performance and safety performance metrics on our website, marking our 17th consecutive year of sustainability reporting. We made significant improvements in our ability to measure and manage our ESG metrics, and our strong year-over-year performance demonstrates our focus on driving results across this evolving part of our business. We are relentlessly focused on delivering consistency, transparency, and continuous improvement in our environmental and safety uh, performance and reporting. Finally, we increased full-year crude and condensate production guidance to 190 to 195,000 barrels per day. This increase is entirely driven by asset outperformance and comes with no additional capital spending. As I noted earlier, our capital budget remains unchanged at $1.5 billion. As I hand the reins over to Brendan McCracken, I cannot be more confident in Brendan, our executive team, the entire organization, and the future of our business. It has been an honor and an incredible privilege to lead this great team. With that, I'll now turn the call over to our Chief Financial Officer, Corey Code. Thanks, Doug. Q2 was yet another quarter of strong results. 
We're firing on all cylinders and delivering on our promises to drive value creation. During the quarter, we reduced our net debt by $1.2 billion, resulting in a current net debt balance of $5.2 billion and bringing us within striking distance of our $4.5 billion year-end 2021 net debt target. We generated substantial total cash flow of $733 million, which was ahead of consensus. And as Doug noted, we have been generating significant free cash flow, achieving $350 million in the second quarter and almost $900 million so far in 2021. Our capital spend totaled $383 million in the quarter. As Greg will highlight later in the call, we have seen inflationary tension on certain items, but are more than offsetting these pressures with operational efficiencies, leaving our original full-year capital guidance untouched. Finally, I want to highlight our strong production performance during the quarter. We achieved 201,000 barrels a day of crude and condensate, despite closing on our Eagleford and Duvernay asset sales in the quarter. Additionally, I think it's worth highlighting our balanced commodity mix. We have substantial exposure to multiple revenue streams, and we produced over 1.6 BCF a day of natural gas and 86,000 barrels a day of NGLs during the quarter. Our multi-basin and multi-product production profile generates cash flow from multiple sources and provides us with robust market optionality. As evident by our new $3 billion net debt target, debt reduction remains our top priority. The combination of free cash flow and asset sale proceeds will see us drop our net debt by almost $3 billion from mid-year 2020 to year-end 2021. Not only does debt reduction drive costs out of the business, it also improves our resiliency during periods of market volatility. In June, we redeemed $600 million of our 2022 senior notes, and in July, we provided notice to redeem $518 million of our 2021 senior notes, August 16. The redemptions represent over $1.1 billion of long-term debt repayments and will generate more than $50 million a year of annualized interest expense savings. Soon, our next debt maturity will be July of 2024. Our business is in a very strong position financially, and we are committed to preserving this strength. We have an attractive balance of free cash flow generation, quality corporate returns, and a track record of returning cash to shareholders. This model stands to be differentiated by the market on the road ahead. I'll now turn the call over to Greg Givens, our Chief Operating Officer, who will discuss our operational results. Thanks, Corey. The teams continue to deliver industry-leading well cost and strong operational performance across the board. Wrapping up the first half of the year, drilling and completion costs for the core assets remain below guidance, reaffirming our confidence in hitting the $1.5 billion full-year capital budget. These costs are approximately 11% lower than our 2020 program average. We achieved these costs despite a continued increase in inflationary pressure during the quarter. Driven by the global economic recovery and rising commodity prices, we're seeing an increase in demand for raw materials, leading to higher diesel and steel costs. Also, like most other industries, we're starting to see the impact global inflation is having on the labor market. That being said, our teams are operating more efficiently than ever before. Our ability to continue setting the bar higher operationally is more than offsetting today's inflationary pressure. In addition, through strategic contract structuring, local sourcing, and improved logistics, we have lowered the cost of sand and water. During the quarter, we achieved numerous new pace setter performances. We drilled six of our fastest wells to date in the Montney and completed our entire stack program using Simulfrac. We are accomplishing new milestones across our portfolio and across all operational disciplines. 
These pace setter wells are accomplished through our unique culture that fosters innovation and cross-functional learning. In fact, many of today's average cost, drill times and completion efficiency metrics were pace setter performances less than a year ago. Slide eight is a great example of how this culture of innovation has transformed our permeant program. Compared to just two years ago, we have made significant strides in every aspect of our operations. Driven by wellbore design optimization, new bottom hole assembly technology, and a laser focus on flat or idle time reduction, our second quarter rig released wells in the Permian averaged over 12,000 feet of lateral length and nearly 2,000 feet of drilling per day. This is over 30% longer and 15% faster than 2019. On the completions front, in-basin wet sand has provided a reliable source for simulfrac operations and has driven down sand costs by 40%. With faster well tie-ins and resourceful savings through equipment redeployment, our Permian facilities team has driven down cycle times and reduced facilities costs by $180,000 per well since 2019. This evolution has been powered by innovative thinking and collaboration and is a strong competitive advantage. But we are never satisfied where, perform where performance currently stands and are constantly pushing the envelope to get faster, more efficient, and ultimately cheaper. We also wanted to provide an update on the outstanding results from our Bakken program and the operational advancements we have made in the basin. Not only have we lowered drilling and completion costs by 14% since 2019, but we are now efficiently delivering a more reliable well bore configuration capable of handling our unique high rate, high intensity completion design. The three wells we brought online in the second quarter have shown exceptionally strong early time performance averaging 1,235 barrels of oil per day through the first 60 days of production. We are currently projecting these wells to pay out in less than six months. When you combine our high quality acreage position, the basin's oil leverage, and today's pricing environment, we are delivering portfolio leading returns in our Bakken program. This asset will generate substantial free cash flow for us in 2021, and we plan on continuing to operate a rig in the basin for the remainder of the year. As noted earlier, we are raising our 2021 production guidance for the same $1.5 billion capital budget. Our team's relentless work to optimize our base production profile and unlock additional resource through a thoughtful development program have driven outstanding results. Additionally, our world-class multi-basin asset portfolio is continuing to deliver advantaged operations. With over 200,000 barrels of crude and condensate, 86,000 barrels per day of high value NGLs and over 1.6 BCS of gas per day during, produced during the second quarter, we have exposure to multiple cash flow streams that enable us to maximize returns. I would now like to turn the call over to Brendan McCracken, our president and incoming CEO. Thanks, Greg. We're focused on generating free cash flow and delivering quality returns. We're powered by our unique culture of innovation, teamwork, and discipline and we relentlessly innovate to drive efficiency in every part of our business. And today's results show we have the key components to deliver differentiated return to our shareholders. We're committed to maintaining capital discipline and delivering significant free cash flow. Our 2021 capital is unchanged, and we are highly confident in our ability to more than offset cost inflation for the rest of the year. Our load-level program is also highly repeatable as we look ahead to 2022. We remain committed to returning cash to our shareholders. We see today's 50% dividend increase as an important step 
in delivering what we believe will be a regular, sustainably growing return of cash to our owners. Our stakeholders expect continuous improvement on ESG and enhanced disclosure from our sector and our company, and we're delivering on this challenge. We look for efficiency in everything we do, and our entire team is relentless about innovating to make our business better. This is a key part of our culture, and it is incredibly powerful because every person at our company plays a part. We see this as a competitive advantage, and it's a big part of the reason we are confident we can continue to deliver on our priorities. Finally, we have the size, scale, and portfolio necessary to succeed on the road ahead. Our multi-basin op optionality, commodity diversification, and deep drilling inventory offer multiple pathways to deliver the best corporate outcomes and drive quality returns. Before we move to the Q&A, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Doug for his tremendous leadership over the last eight years. His leadership will have a legacy impact on our company that will serve us well for many years to come. I feel fortunate to have had eight years working cl very closely with one of the great leaders of our industry, and I wish him all the best in his retirement. This concludes our prepared remarks. Operator, we're now prepared to take questions. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, you can join the queue to ask a question by pressing star 1. We will now begin the question and answer session. Your first question comes from Neil Mehta with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good, good morning, and Doug, congratulations. Brendan, uh, congratulations to you as well as you take on this new role. Thanks, Neil. So, so that's a, probably a good place to start, Brendan, as, as you have uh, had some time here to, to think through uh, strategic priorities uh, as the new CEO of the business. What do you see as the two or three most important focus areas for you? Uh, should we view this as stay the course, or are there uh, areas of focus that uh, that you think are 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 needed as we enter a, a different phase of, of the commodity cycle? Yeah, thanks, Neil. You know, as you know, I've been deeply involved in setting the strategy and direction of the company for some time. And so today, you know, our strategy and priorities are unchanged. We're laser focused on delivering free cash flow and, and quality returns. Uh, and you see that today in the, the, uh, the new debt target and the increase of cash returns to our shareholders. Um, you know, also our business is performing very well. Uh, and we've been accelerating on those targets and, and adding to them. And so feel quite confident in the direction that we're headed in and, and the ability for the company to perform. Yeah, so then that's the follow-up is how, how should we think about excess free cash flow deployment beyond the base dividend and the debt reduction? Specifically, any thoughts around your uh, repurchases given that you guys are trading at one of the highest free cash flow yields uh, in the industry right now? Yeah, Neil, you know, since last year, we've been laser focused on debt reduction and so you've seen us uh, outperform there and accelerate that target forward. And so today what we've done is, is 
reset that debt target to $3 billion, but also introduce increased cash returns to our shareholders. And so obviously, as we accelerate towards that $3 billion target, we've got all the options on the table, and, and we'll be considering those uh, as we go forward. Your next question comes from Arun J. Aram with J.P. Morgan Chase. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, Doug and, and Brendan. Um, I, I guess I, I do have a follow-up to that. You guys have outlined, you know, 1.5 billion of debt reduction from the end of the year through the end of 23, kind of using a 50 to 75 deck. Now, if you assume strip, Brendan, you know, our, you know, cumulative free cash flow in 22 and 23 would be 3.7 billion, which would provide, you know, 2.2 billion of incremental free cash flow beyond that, you know, $1.5 billion deleveraging target. So again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you're thinking about cash return beyond the dividend, because certainly seems you could walk and chew gum here with, you know, a 20% type free cash flow yield. Yeah, Rune, no, appreciate the confidence you're expressing there. And, and you're quite right. We've given that uh, new debt target out of $50 and $275 deck. And, and clearly, as, as the business continues to drive efficiency, uh, you know, and prices could be, could be higher through that period, we would accelerate that. And, and that's fantastic. That's a great outcome. You know, like I said, the options on the table as we get there. But I think you should expect our discipline on capital to continue. We've not changed our capital guidance for 2021, uh, you know, and, and we don't see the macro conditions that would change that thinking in the world today. You know, there's still a lot of excess global capacity, and of course, many parts of the world are still uh, dealing with the pandemic. So we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be thinking about those options as we get closer to achieving that target. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Brendan, a recent theme in the industry has been kind of the continued transfer of assets from uh, privates to publics. I wanted to get your thoughts on um, the company's A&D strategy and how you're thinking about uh, your your current uh, inventory depth and just broadly about kind of industry consolidation. Yeah, you know, we've been very deliberate about creating the portfolio that we have today. Uh, many of the transactions that you reference, uh, you know, have been aimed at creating the advantages that we've already got in the company. And so, you know, really our emphasis today is on delivering on the priorities that we've laid out, you know, generating free cash flow and delivering quality returns. And you can see that in our actions uh, today. Your next question comes from Josh, Josh Silverstein with Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Uh, good morning, guys. I was going to touch on the same thing. Um, you can certainly look at uh, additional return of capital with the free cash flow profile, but how would you think about the use of cash in terms of uh, acquisition purposes just for, for bolt-ons and whatnot next year? Well, you know, I think, uh, Josh, the, the answer is the same. You know, as we, as we get towards that, we've got options on the table. Um, today, you know, what we've laid out is is a pathway to achieve that debt target and and increase our cash returns to shareholders. You know, I think as Greg outlined, you know, we've continued to be able to drive efficiency gains everywhere we operate. Um, teams had great success in coring up our acreage through cashless swaps and trades, and we really like that. Increases the returns we're generating and, and adds premium inventory, lets us drill longer laterals. Uh, 
And so I expect we'd continue to look for ways to do that going forward. Got it. And then, you know, there was no mention of, of volume growth in the forward outlook as well. Um, but I imagine that could also be a use of, of you know, proceeds from, from free cash flow re- getting redeployed. Can you just talk about how you would think about volume growth in, a, you know, a 65 environment relative to the, you know, the $50, 275 environment that you've outlined here? Yeah, Josh, I mean, certainly that's an option uh, as well. But today we don't see the macro conditions that would, would shift our thinking. Uh, like I said, there's still excess global capacity uh, today. And, and many parts of the world still dealing with the pandemic. So these are these are things we're watching closely, but uh, you should expect us to continue to be very disciplined with capital going forward. Your next question comes from Brian Downey with Citigroup. Please go ahead. Morning, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, maybe starting on the, the CapEx front, could you uh, give us an update on the efficiency versus inflation views that you had highlighted from last uh, quarter? I'm, I'm curious, any second half puts and takes this year as it seems your your well cost and pace set of results to date seem to compare pretty favorably with guidance how that's shaping up versus any inflationary trends you're seeing through the rest of the year and whether we should still expect rateable spend for the remaining two quarters yeah brian i mean you know like you and the rest of us we see inflationary pressure in our everyday lives um and, and it's showing up in a few spots in our business. Greg highlighted, you know, really in places like the tangible goods and diesel uh, and starting to be there in the labor piece as well. But, you know, really our focus for a long time has been on uh, driving efficiencies uh, to offset that inflation. And, and you can see that in the results where we're more than offsetting the inflation we've seen to date. And we're confident that we're going to continue to do that. Maybe I'll I'll ask Greg to just talk on a, on a couple of the highlights of how the team's doing that. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Um, you know, <clears throat> as we've said, we're seeing some inflation on the steel side, but uh, our supply management team is very sophisticated and are they're being proactive in getting out ahead and purchasing pipe ahead of our program, which is allowing us to to lock in a reasonable cost. Uh, one of the other ways we're, we're pushing back on that is uh, as we highlighted, uh, in, not only in the Permian but in other areas of the field. You know, steel is a major input component to uh, our facilities, uh, and so we're reusing a lot of our uh, existing equipment, tying in new wells to existing facilities. That allows us to actually reduce our facilities costs and avoid some of that inflationary pressure. Uh, we're also working really hard, uh, as we always have, on reducing cycle times. Uh, as you know, you know, days in this business are dollars, and so the faster we can drill and complete our wells, the fewer days we have on location, the less uh, costs we incur from our vendors, but also on the frack side, you know, simul frack by completing a well in half the days, you're using quite a bit less diesel and it allows you to, uh, to avoid some of the inflationary pressure. So uh, while we're seeing the pressure, we feel very confident that we'll continue to be able to offset that and uh, deliver on our targets in the second half. You know, Brian, I'd just add that, uh, you know, Greg highlighted the impact that simul frack's been having on our business and how we're now, you know, in, in some uh, places, you know, all of the program or 90 plus percent of the program is is using that technology for us. But I think what's important to to know here is that, you know, it's not just implementing Simulfrac and stop there. The teams have continued to find ways to make Simulfrac itself better. And you can see we've put some uh, incremental disclosure in our appendix deck where you see things like in the Monty, we're now delivering uh, pump times of 22 hours a day uh, just by making that Simulfrac technology better as we go. 
Great. And then maybe um, just given the new debt target, any any updated or different thoughts on how you're approaching hedging? It looks like based on your your hedges in place for 2022, you're you're further along on the natural gas side than oil. Um, any any you know differing thoughts there as you continue to delever the balance sheet? Yeah, maybe just a couple of things there, Brian. So, you know, really as as a refresh, the, the rationale for our hedging is to ensure we can deliver on our strategic priorities and manage balance sheet risk. That's why we hedge. Uh, and so what you can see as a characteristic in our 22 book uh, it is a focus on three-way structures that can give us uh, protection to manage those priorities and the risk to the balance sheet, but also exposure to the upside as as prices improve. And Maybe the last thing I'd say there is, you know, as we continue to reduce debt, um, you know, we'll adjust the, the the amount of hedging we do. In the last couple of years, we've had really robust hedge books to ensure we could deliver on those strategic priorities. And clearly, uh, as we do that, um, we'd look to reduce the size of that hedge book going forward. Your next question comes from Jeffrey Lamberjone with Tudor Pickering Holt and Company. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, my first one is just at the asset level for the Motney. Can you remind us what the landscape looks like there in terms of access to gas capacity over the next several years to just speak to the production profile and potential of that asset specifically? And then I've got to follow up on some of the discussion from earlier. Yeah, Jeff, um, you know, we're in great shape there. The infrastructure expansions that we undertook several years ago uh, set us well up in, in the play. And so we've got uh, full access to market with our production. Uh, and you can see that in, in the performance. Great. And then for my follow-up, and, and sorry to tack on here again, but just want to make sure we're thinking about it appropriately as it relates to, to 2022. You know, just given the, the increase in baseline capacity at OPEC and you know, the uncertainty on the demand recovery, just given things like the Delta variant, plus the priorities you've continued to highlight on debt reduction and return of cash to shareholders. Would maintenance production be a good placeholder for 2022 at this point in time, just based on, you know, those conditions you're seeing and, and that you've highlighted? Well, I think, you know, sitting here in July, it's still a bit early to set expectations for the 2022 budget. And, and we'll, we'll make sure we communicate that on as we go through the year. But, uh, you know, like I said, we'll continue to emphasize capital discipline, and we've been very clear about what the strategic priorities uh, that we have are. Your next question comes from Greg Tardy with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much. Um, <laughs> good on the last name. Uh, <laughs> things. So first, first off, Doug. Usually, uh, my last name that people butcher, Greg. So. I, I, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll just let that one go. But listen, Doug, all the very best uh, in your retirement. I, I can't believe eight years has gone by so fast. And congrats again, um, uh, Brendan, on, on the new role. Um, look, a lot of great questions. The only thing I'd kind of ask is, you know, you, you, you've got the, you know, the big three, and then you've got this circa 25,000 BOE a day sitting out there with Bakken and some of the other non-core assets. So how, I mean, do they... You know, I, I'm assuming it's really about harvesting free cash flow at this stage. Do they eventually move out of the portfolio? No rush. Happy to have them in there. How should we sort of think about the minority in the portfolio? Yeah, thanks, Greg. Well, you know, like I said, we've been very deliberate about creating the portfolio that we have today. The Bakken plays a, a, an important role there. It's a great free cash generating asset, high margin 
oil rich. And as Greg highlighted, uh, some of the same efficiency gains that we've been delivering elsewhere in the portfolio, we're now bringing to bear on the Bakken and, and seeing great results, both on the cost reduction side, but also on the well performance side, we're seeing really strong well performance there. And so, well, it's small, it's mighty, uh, and, and we like uh, how it fits into our strategy going forward. So I think you should expect us uh, to, to continue on with the portfolio we have today. Okay, terrific. And then, uh, you know, you, you've kind of answered it around uh, really driving towards sustaining capital. So in the environment we're in, you're continuing to advance efficiency gains, as you mentioned, you're offsetting inflation. So is is kind of maintaining, sustaining at around a billion and a half or so, is that what the thinking is internally, or do you do you think you can actually continue to take that sustaining capital number down? Well, I think, Greg, this is something that we work on all the time. And uh, you know, the approach that we're taking today is that efficiency gains are are flowing to the investor and, and we like that model and, and that's how we'll be continuing to run the business going forward. Your next question comes from Nitin Kumar with Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. And first of all, congrats to Doug on the retirement and Brendan on the new role. Um, I'm going to take another shot at 2022 here. You know, one thing I noticed is you're, and you mentioned this, you're tracking a little bit below your planned uh, DNC per foot numbers in the Anadarko and the Montney. Um, does that change the thinking on returns for 2022 and capital allocation between the Permian and, and other basins? Yeah, thanks, Nitin. Um, you know, I think really at this point, the, the, the point to, to put out there is we're really pleased with how the business is performing and we just need to watch how the macro head has gained towards 2022 and, and it's great to have options as, as we look at that. Okay. Um, and then uh, we noticed, you know, you've hedged quite a bit of your gas, but you're just starting to work on the oil side um, with some additions, on, as you mentioned, on the callers. Um, should we expect the company to, to hedge more uh, in line with prior years on the oil side as well uh, as the year progresses for 2022? You know, we'll evaluate that, Nitin, as we go. I think my comments earlier around as the as the debt comes down, our head need to hedge to deliver on those strategic priorities shifts. So, you know, I think look to us for further guidance on that as we go through the year. Your next question comes from Neil Dangman with Tourist Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, Mornell, congrats again. Um, my question is kind of interesting. I noticed, couldn't help but notice that now on the latest presentation, the Bakken, uh, you get and dig into that, and your Bakken is just behind your permit on the latest slide deck. And obviously, Greg also walked through just some of those key highlights that certainly are noticeable, um, you know, versus I don't think, you know, it was highlighted as near as much on the, the deck about a year ago. So I'm just wondering, do you all now consider this the second highest sort of priority in the portfolio? And maybe a question for Greg, what he would consider sort of the most dramatic changes of that play in the last 12 months. Yeah, Neil, I wouldn't read anything into the slide order there, but the, you know, I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, when we took the operational pause in 2020, we didn't have a lot of activity in the Bakken program. And so coming into this year, we've now 
resumed activity in that play and just really pleased with the results that we're seeing and, and reporting out on that. Maybe I don't know, Greg, if you wanted to, to address uh, the second part of that. Yeah, Neil, I think the thing to keep in mind is, you know, we, we really like the returns from all of our assets. Uh, we've been, you know, most recent times focusing on the core three, but uh, we've always liked the Bakken. Uh, we just took the pause, as, as Brendan noted. And, and really, uh, now that we're getting back to it, we're just uh, catching up to where we've been in our other basins, using some of the same technologies. And what I think it really proves is that our, our operational philosophy works across multiple basins. It, it not only, you know, transformed what we had in the Permian, it's done great things in the Anadarko, and I expect it to do good things in the Bakken as well. So this gives us confidence in our operating philosophy and how well the teams can perform when they're given an opportunity. No, it makes total sense for both y'all. And then just one follow-up. Just wondering, given this has been kind of pulled out quite a bit today, you guys even mentioned it, given to me what appears to be just this, this really the certainty of your future free cash flow and you know, I'd couple that with the low cost of your of the current debt. You know, I guess the natural question, why not pay out maybe more shareholder return near term versus continuing to pay down that debt? Yeah, Neil, you know, this is, remember, a long-term uh, piece that we've been working on. This is now the fourth consecutive year of free cash generation. So this is not new for us. And And like Doug highlighted in his comments, the increase of shareholder returns is not new for us either so you know this is clearly something we're going to look to do uh, going forward your next question comes from doug legate with bank of america please go ahead hey good morning everyone uh thanks for getting me on uh doug we're passing the torch here as well so congratulations and uh brendan look forward to chatting with you again soon um Guys, I, I guess I want to go back to one of the very first questions on free cash flow yield, and it was observed, obviously, that you've got one of the highest free cash flow yields in the sector. It seems to us that's a function of market perception of portfolio sustainability. So when you talk about maintenance capital, the follow-on question is, yeah, but for how long? So I just wonder if you could give us a, a quick refresh as to where you see inventory depth across the four assets, including the bucket. Yeah, you know, Doug, this is uh, something we spend a lot of time thinking about, and and you know, we've got great inventory depth across the portfolio. You know, we have a decade of inventory uh, across the core assets, and so, uh, and I highlighted before how the teams, uh, you know, continue to build on that through coring up our acreage uh, in each of the basins we operate in. So specific to the Bakken, Brendan. Oh yeah, in the Bakken. You know, really, the the Bakken for us, of course, is a smaller asset uh, scale relative to the core, and and doesn't have as much uh, inventory, but still has quite a number of years of of go forward inventory. Uh, at, you know, at the levels we're investing into it today. Okay, but my my follow up then is, I, I guess, it's kind of a a catch all for the debt pay down visibility, the free cash flow, and so on. If you're in a kind of a maintenance mode and the balance sheet has got a pretty good trajectory, how does it impact, if at all, your philosophy on hedging? Um, if you're not protecting a you know a capital program, so to speak, and the balance sheet's in better shape, what, what is the thinking on how you navigate hedging going forward? I'll leave it there. Thank you. 
Yeah, Doug, you know, we're very clear the hedging program is to manage balance sheet risk and ensure we can deliver our strategic priorities. So to your point, directionally, as the balance sheet improves, um, you know, the hedging program can be smaller. Your next question comes from Cole Sankey with Sankey Research. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everybody, and Doug, uh, all the best in the future. Brendan, thanks for uh, taking the question. Can you outline the the investment case for Revintive here? Because uh, I think one of my my questions is how you think about the cost of debt and the cost of debt relative to the cost of equity. Just insofar as debt is so cheap now, I was wondering why you're not pursuing a more aggressive cash return strategy, given the amount of free cash flow you're generating. And and Brent, could could you roll that into uh, really what is exciting about Avintive if I'm trying to sell the company to uh, to a new investor? What, what is your competitive advantage? What's great about Avintive that I can go out there and say, you've got to buy this stock? Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Cole. I mean, you know, we've been really clear about this. Our strategy is to deliver significant free cash generation and quality returns. Uh, and we're backing that up with return of cash to shareholders, highlighted by today a 50% increase to our dividend. And so I think that's that's the answer to your question. But the dividend's still very low, right? I mean, I can't I can't have people buy it with a whatever it is two percent yield. Is is it going to be the growth in the dividend that's going to be the really exciting thing? You know, I think uh, really cool. The piece to highlight on here is that the efficiency gains that we're delivering in the business are flowing through to our investors, and so. You know, today's uh, dividend increase is a step on increasing that cash return to shareholders. And, and could you just address that issue of the, the, how you see the cost of the, the the cost of debt versus the price of the equity? Do, is it is it really a great idea to be paying down debt because interest rates are just so low? I figure that maybe you might be tempted to run with a, a higher debt level and a higher cash return. You know, Cole, we've been uh, laser focused on this debt reduction piece for over a year now, and it's had an incredible impact to our equity performance, and we see that uh, continuing to translate going forward. Your next question comes from Noel Parks with Tuhi Brothers. Please go ahead. I'm sorry, Uh, Noel, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, hi, good morning. Um, morning. I, I wondered if you could uh, talk a little bit about your thoughts on the um, NGL market, just what you're uh, sort of assuming the scenarios are as we as we head into the end of the year. Well, no, I mean, we've seen a robust uh, NGL market through the year here. You know, we produce 80,000 barrels a day of NGL, so it's a significant part of our production mix and great to have that exposure. So it's it's definitely helping uh, increase cash flow. And part of the reason we're on track to deliver over $1.7 billion of free cash this year. Great. And um, re- regarding the uh, the ESG disclosures that uh, that you've, uh, you've updated, I was curious about the, the methane emissions intensity of the uh, you know, significant year-over-year improvement there, and considering sort of the different vintage of your various uh, plays and basins, I was just curious: do do you have um, uh, a particular region that's uh, 
that is more of a focus for improvement going forward, or is the the, the way forward relatively similar um, across them? You know, it's happening across the portfolio, Noel. We've seen, uh, you know, big gains uh, as we've been enhancing our leak detection, uh, reducing our flare and vent uh, uh, volumes, and so those are having a direct effect on our results, and you've seen that in our 2020 performance, and I would just tell you that's continued across the portfolio this year. At this time, we have completed the question and answer session. And we'll now turn the conference back over to Mr. Verhaist. Thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today and for your continued interest in our company. Our conference call is now complete. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.